0: You are listening to the Physio Accelerator podcast with Trish Wisby Roth. Hi, and welcome to this second podcast on key treatment strategies. And with this podcast, I really want to talk about the mid and later stages of rehab. So, recapping on the first four weeks, many conditions that present to your physio waiting room are not truly acute in nature. An acute muscle strain, a twisted ankle, a fall with soft tissue contusions will all respond quickly to treatment. These type of once-off and simple acute injuries could be fully recovered within four weeks, as the body is great at facilitating the healing process. But also, in addition, your extra guidance can fast-track functional gains. And if the condition was the initial episode, they may be back to normal life without any functional deficits, if they are confident in movement and load management is not an issue, then that just shows that the body's ability to heal plus your rehab gro- program has hit its mark. The reality is, though, that in private practice, people often put up with recurrent injuries, progress limitations in their function, increased pain, difficulties with um life, work and sporting activities before they actually seek physiotherapy treatment. In fact, it's not uncommon for people to present when their compensation strategies for the original issue are now affecting other joints. For an example, a 40 plus year old soccer player with hip problem who starts seeking treatment when he is beginning to have knee or tendon issues down the track. Even the subset of patients who have peripheral and central sensitization require time, coaching and encouragement to absorb how the pain science education you've been applying actually works for them and how to put these new strategies, including pacing, into daily lives. It's a big change in their thought process and they really do need help and mentoring. With that so helping patients with sensitization to build confidence in movement and decreasing their f- their fear of pain excuse me <coughs> is really important in the first four weeks but then after that you need to progress it with functional gains and greater independence of self management in the midterm but still touching base with them and and give them that that person that they can connect with to discuss and how to progress things. Don't underestimate how important your support and strategic goal setting for helping them to progress their function is for the sensitised patient as it really provides them the direction that the road can take and it gives them hope that they can, you know, surpass in the long term what they what they initially thought was impossible when they first came to see you. So what should be your game plan for presenting conditions that need a comprehensive and a longer term rehab strategy? What I would say is just as in the first four weeks and at the end of that four-week period, keep coming back to focus on what's important for the patient. The first two to four weeks is when you have that best chance to get patient buy-in, get them involved in their own rehab and recovery and understand what's going on. So it's important you've discussed and addressed in the treatment the key components of each of the four treatment strategy headings that I discussed in the previous podcast, which was treatment strategies for the first four weeks. So if you haven't heard that, I'd, I'd go back and listen to that one first, and this one will then make more sense. So by the completion of the first four weeks, pacing strategies should have been utilised and they're more familiar with how that goes and an understanding of when things overload them or combinations of activities that may aggravate them at this point in time and what strategies will help and possibly if it was needed in those first four weeks uh, maybe that short term some medication um, has been used and is beneficial. Gradually, manual therapy strategies, if you've used those in the first four weeks, they will be decreasing and being replaced by an exercise program. So by four weeks, the the curve should be decreasing for manual therapy and exercise intervention therapy should cross it. So at four weeks, you're starting to do more exercise than hands-on treatment um, and so that exercise program will be replaced or will be based on an individual strength, flexibility, postural function, cardiovascular goal oriented program. Not all of those. What is the thing that is important for that individual patient? And this, if you do it at four weeks, will set them up for an effective midterm goal-setting strategy. Now, week four is a great time to review with the patient the improvements that have been made to send, I like to di- dictate a quick letter to the doctor in front of the patient and place in that letter and talk to the patient beforehand about the midterm goals for for five to 12 weeks. This is a valid part of treatment and time should be taken in the the session to give the emphasis to these tasks and goals because this next phase is going to be a greater independence for the patient. If available and indicated, depending on the condition, objective strength testing um, of key muscle groups is a really worthwhile thing to do, whether you have a dynamometer or an exit system or something that can be objective, it allows you to um, have a number or to be able to plot strength, deficit and then then track improvements and refine goals at this stage at four weeks if it wasn't performed earlier in sporting populations. But some populations, you know, their pain and disability may not allow you to do, you know, maximum strength testing before four weeks. So I want to talk to you about about the advantage of using a graded one-to-five approach um, to progress the individual's abilities and and cater to the needs and goals of the patient. So the mid- and late-stage rehab plan depends on the patient's goals and I know I keep going on about this but it actually is really important that because that's your end point you're tracking to that end point or it may be that you get to this point and they think well I was never going to get back to golf but maybe I can but they haven't played golf for four or five years so that then becomes do you know a mid or even late stage depending on on how um, little they've been doing. So putting down whether you need to work on endurance, functional strength, effective balance strategies or load tolerance of involved structures. It's good to pick from those. What are the couple that are really important? And then by using a, a kind of stage one to five approach to rehab programs, you can fast track functional and strength gains. With stages one and two, and depending on the abilities, the age, the fitness level of the patient, you may be able to start stage three rehab goals in the first four weeks. Um, So what I'd like to do is go through the stages and explain where they fit into early, mid and late stage rehab. So stage one, exercise and rehab strategies Uh, in those early painful days. I like using isometric exercises um, to keep it at at a level that they can cope with and doesn't exacerbate their pain, particularly the next day. Um, You need to give them education on positions that minimize their pain. And depending on the severity of their condition or... Or how sensitized they are, these initial exercises may be non-weight-bearing if that's the best position for them. Really important in stage one to give them postural pause exercises so that they're adjusting their posture and how they move uh, right from after your initial assessment because that will start to give them a bit of self-control back into what they're experiencing during the day. We use some key muscle down-regulating exercises where where they're tending to get pain in certain areas. These exercises can help, help settle some of that. And as stated previously, pain education on, you know, flare up strategies using these exercises when pain does flare and The first four weeks, and in this stage one, so I like to do it in the first couple of sessions, introduce a pacing program and get them to record it on a piece of paper that they can bring back with them. Now, stage two progresses to functional weight bearing, so some people may have gone straight to. Functional weight bearing, so long as it was pain free, it's always the best option, or or not much pain. You know, really, a, a three out of ten or below, you can still function and strengthen with those kind of pain levels. And particularly when people are sensitised or have had pain for a while, do you know, to expect zero pain is is asking too much. So I say I want you to your pain to be no more than about a 3 out of 10 when you're doing the exercises, that it's not worse afterwards, and not worse the next morning. Um, I try to find the most pain minimised joint angles in um, functional positions. And stage 2, I like to use kind of inner range functional movements but not adding in balance challenges yet. So you can progress the use of isometric exercises for priming muscle activation, building muscle strength, and also it's a great way to, to prime the, the brain muscle neural pathways. And then you use those isometrics and then move into functional movement patterns, you know, be they lunges or squats or side-to-side movements in a therapeutic range, but not pushing into painful range. So in stage two, it's important to progress endurance. So you want to challenge the muscles by the length of the exercise or the number of reps, or alternatively, progress the load if pure strength um, and loading of tendons is really an important goal. Adding cardiovascular component to pacing programs is really important for many patients, but particularly your sensitized patients to get them back to being able to do some cardiovascular exercise and. Um, commencing with slow inner range concentric, eccentric exercises as needed, particularly for uh, tendon rehab. Now, stage three progresses to three-dimensional movement patterns needed by the patient and superimposed with balance challenges and moving on to being able to weight bear through, through one leg, or increase load through one arm, depending on what the issue is. And really, um, depending on their age, their fitness level, their psychosocial factors and the extent of injury or pain presentation, stage three may commence as early as weeks two and three, Um, but Continue and needs to be progressed in the mid-term of weeks five to twelve, as they're becoming more independent and their the individual goals are progressing. So let's say you know you've you've got to the end of four weeks and you're really happy and the patient's happy with what you've that you've achieved your short-term goals, they've been met. Your combination of treatment addressing key psychosocial factors, um, any specifically designed hands-on intervention, if it was utif- utilised, targeted exercise strategies have started, then you've you know you've got a great positive framework. But if people do need mid and longer-term rehab, where do you go to from there? In this. Midterm, so five to 12 weeks, you're involving decreased frequency of treatment and you're really increasing the understanding and the knowledge of the patient. So you're building up their confidence to manage what's going on. So this midterm, educating the patient about their functional capabilities and load management is a really important part of treatment. And you and the goals need to progress towards this kind of load management and function. Treatment sessions usually decrease to one to two treatment sessions per month. Alternatively, the patient may attend strength or function classes or be doing some regular gym sessions with a review of strength, function, activity, performance goals each month and then the goals adjusted. It really depends on how independent that person feels and what level of guidance they need. And I know many physio practices including ourselves will have some guided weekly classes where you're working on their individual goals, building up their endurance, challenging their balance, um, building up their, their load resistance and um, their load management week to week. So in the beginning, you know, if we just go back a little bit to stage three, you may already have started it early on if they're younger, fitter, you know, less disabled patients, but some start grade three, in this mid-phase, so for four to 12 weeks, where you're working on progressed three-dimensional movement patterns needed by the patient and defined by your goals. So I like to have an ADL task, a recreational task, a work task, and then, you know, a sporting or a really challenging movement. And those, finding out what those four movements are that worry them, they, you'll get a very clear idea of what kind of functional movement patterns you need to progress to. And so you want to progress through concentric, eccentric movement patterns that involve rotation of the spine or the upper or the lower limb, depending on what the problem is, Um, and asking what, what... problems they still have, you aim for movement patterns that they're fearful of, and I call these fear factor exercises, that you train components of these movement patterns into flexion into extension into standing on one leg into rotating things that worry them but in a positive environment in a controlled environment they can build up their endurance their confidence and therefore decrease their fear in those movement patterns so you're working on functional and psychosocial all at the same time um you you can add balance challenges to the exercise if needed. I think it's really important for people to have uh, progressed to balance on one leg or being able to um, have a decreased base of support and doing functional tasks. If needed, progressing their cardiovascular and functional loading Via load management. So that may be gradually increasing the load on tendons, increasing the endurance demand on muscles or cardiovascular with, um, you know, the heart and lungs. Strength sessions can at this stage in in stage three be transferred to a gym setting if they want to, but you can also do a lot of that at home or in a park or walking up and down hills depending on the age or the demand of the patient. cardiovascular becomes important i think in stage four for everyone to build back to you know their optimal cardiovascular abilities has a lot of general psychological and health benefits and really factoring in active recovery sessions for sporting patients at this stage three because very often they this is when they'll go back to try and over training and not having rest breaks to try to catch up with the training that they've missed out on. Now stage four this stage aims to progress the speed of functional movement and progress stre- strength and functional training sessions to maintain technique while fatigue. So you want them to be really working on their their skill, their strength, and their proprioceptive tasks when they're actually fatigued, because this is when people will tend to re-injure themselves. Um, the cardiovascular tasks that you are giving them should be sport specific, so they need um, speed drills, balance drills that are specific to their sport. So, if it is it cycling, where they're doing high speed spinning with one leg or two legs, or or kicking, or or running. Around which hats for soccer. So, and at this stage, you're really making sure that they've got good eccentric, concentric control and strength um, through full ranges of motion that they need um, with increased speed and increased loading to what they need for their sport. Stage four is an ideal time to add in video and biomechanical assessments. So that may be uh, for the sporting population. So that may be running assessments, cycling assessments, throwing assessments. It's a great time to add in video. And even with your sensitized patient, having a bit of a video record from how they moved on week one to week two, four to week eight. It really often they forget the gains that they've made because they can't see themselves objectively and externally. Now finally and you won't you won't get all of your patients to a long term, not all of them need it, but but some do and I think that exercise physiologists are actually much better at that kind of long term twelve plus weeks of touching base and continuing to progress goals and um, adding challenges while the patient is very independent because you build up their knowledge base. And for a lot of my elite athletes in this 12 plus weeks, I may be touching base with them via telehealth, to tweak their exercises, answer their questions, look at their load management for a half an hour every six to eight weeks. If they don't need me and and it's all been taken care of by by their other management and coaching team, then they're off and away. But know that there will be those people, particularly with long term goals. And if you have a cyclist who wants to get back to doing, you know. A, a a 250k ride or a seven-stage ride and they haven't been cycling for 18 months, it is going to take them 12 months to build up there. So, You know, some conditions that really require that long term rehab and just touching base while they're still independent are some post operative programs, tendon rehab programs, and significant strength development based programs. All of these things take often more than 12 weeks. And tendon programs, often you have to monitor them. You know, even if it's just touching base, we do that via PhysiTrack, you know, up to six months. And with the lead athletes, they're continually monitoring them um, on an ongoing basis. But the important thing is that focus has moved to independent goals and the patient understanding themselves. And they're really no longer a patient, but you're just giving them Fit, you know, really health, strength, fitness, targeted goals um, to do with what their presenting condition was. Um, And I think that really it's important for them to build strength and endurance in the functional patterns. Pacing strategies still are really important because overtraining, overloading uh, can can still happen and it's not that it will damage things but it's simply to know that they can f- overload, they can fatigue and to have those those active rest days and, and high load for example with tendons is running and jumping whereas strength-based things hard on the muscles but not as hard on the tendon and for sporting populations it's important to have you know, drills that are sport-specific. And finally, your Stage 5 program is that focus on maintenance, either home strength, functional balance challenges as needed for the older population or that stability functional control group. And the reality is if you do have those older population, you know, if they have Parkinson's or they have balance issues, um or they've had multiple joint replacements. The reality is they will need an ongoing program that they they can be independent, but they need to understand what are the key things for them. Strength programs for targeted muscles can be performed in a gym for sporting populations and to really make sure they understand with a tendon program or strength-based goals, what the aim is. And um, I think it's really important to educate them when they're often being independent in stage five about maintaining load management and eccentric strength with speed. And for people to know if they've had tendon problems, they have to keep loading the tendon the same way and not increase or decrease that load um, very much. Because if they go on a holiday and lay around on a cruise ship for six weeks, then they can get problems when they come back to loading because they've been so deloaded. And it's this time, stage five, that hopefully you've been able to (coughs) talk to the coaching and management team of sporting or elite athletes to just touch base with them, but everyone be on the same page with the same goals. And so that as you as you are withdrawing, you know that someone else in that person's management team is looking at the loading and, and the recovery and the endurance and the gym programs. And you may think that's just for elite athletes, but there's a lot of 50 plus people uh, in that age group who want to be the best they can be. And um, so them having those to understand the pacing of loading is really important. So many of these podcasts uh, that I've been doing in recent weeks have an accompanying white paper that I hope you can use as a reference document to come back to when you need a little guidance with a particular patient or a reminder of areas you may have forgotten to check. It's a lot of information. I've tried to pack 30 years of complex, to failed surgery, to elite summer and winter athlete knowledge into these podcasts. So it's I know it's a lot. Um, as always, this list of interventions or areas to focus on ways to progress is not exhaustive. And there's always alternative ways to do do things and many opinions out there. You can't you can't tick everyone's opinion. You have to listen to it and absorb it and see how it how you incorporate it into who you are as a physio and what you feel um, gets the best outcomes. So my hope for you is that these po- podcasts in general give you a roadmap in the graduate years of physio so you can build confidence and skill. If you can build confidence skill in those first years, really, the world is your oyster and you can expand your knowledge and skills in an infinite number of directions, really limited only by your passion and your determination. So one of the things, though, to remember is, though, your ability to be mentored and and to learn from those ahead of you is vital. And you have to treat them with respect and always know that if someone is mentoring you, they are giving you physical, emotional, and and knowledge energy that they have built up over many, many years. And so, Please, all I ask is for you to be respectful and actually know what's been given to you and give a little bit back to those mentors and support them in the ways you can. Because in the end of the day, being a part of, you know, being part of a team, being part of a tribe where you support others and others support you make physio an incredible career and I really really hope you experience that because it makes uh, it makes the job so incredibly passionate and exciting so fingers crossed you get there so I look forward to chatting to you next time bye thank you for listening to the physio accelerator podcast if you'd like to find out more about what we do head to the physioaccelerator.com while you're there don't forget to sign up for our email list for more great insights from trish and information about our upcoming courses before you go if you think of a friend or a colleague who would benefit from listening to this podcast make sure you send it their way thanks for listening and we'll see you next time